Good morning. Great to have you here. Thank you so much for coming. You know, uh, we say that every week. We welcome you. Thank you for being here. As we say that, I just want you to know that we appreciate being here also just so, so much. Like you're, you know, we're not here for you. You're here for us. And we just are so appreciative of that. And I want to thank everybody who's watching us or listening to this. Uh, it's great to have you join us as well. I mean, we just feel like there's a connection there. If you are uh, watching this summer, it'd be better if you were here. But uh, if that's the only way you can, you can join us, uh, thanks for that. We are in a series. We started it last week. And uh, the whole thing is really all about our, our relationship with, with Christ, our relationship with God growing. We need, to, uh, we need to put out the old in our life. And so we're just talking each week about this, this old that is, that is hindering us. Because the goal for every single one of us is to grow in our relationship with God, to be closer to God, to have God more a part of our life and, and more of a connection as we, as we grow in that. And that, that is a goal. And there are some things that hinder that growth. There are some things that just, they, they stop that growth. And what we're talking about in this whole series is there are some things that we need to do away with in order to grow. They're, they're like, hey, we're, we're going to God and we, we want God in our life and, and we want to be more filled and more connected with, with God, but there are some barriers in the way. And we need, to, we need to get those barriers out of the way. And last week we talked about a huge barrier is the old covenant. And I'm not going to go over the whole thing. You need to watch it if you want to catch up, but the old covenant is very, very uh, serious. And, and here is the deal that there is an old covenant and a new covenant. And the, the, the old covenant had more to do with Judaism and the new covenant is Christianity. And Christianity is not Judaism 102. It's, it's not an extension of Judaism. And, and we talked about that last week. But here's the deal. Why does this affect our relationship with God? Because if we're going to believe or live in or attach that old covenant to our lives, the old covenant basically said this, if you obey, you will be blessed. If you disobey, you will be cursed. And if you and I are trying to draw closer to God as Christians and we hold on to that, it will limit, it will stop. It is a barrier to us experiencing God. Why is it a barrier? because we're always going to have this disobey thing in our life. And it's always going to make us feel we're not worthy. We're, we can't connect with God. And that will always be an anchor to our spirit connecting with God. And we've got to do away with the old so that we can experience God more. Now, that doesn't mean that we should go ahead and disobey. Disobedience to what God says always hurts us. Never forget that always hurts us. But what it doesn't do is interfere with our relationship growing with God. As a matter of fact, if we have any hope of not disobeying so much, we need to connect with God in order to do that. So we need that. That was the, that was the old one. That was last week. This week, uh, I want to really talk about Christianity and how we can continue to grow. There, there's a place that God wants us to live in that I hope we all want to get to the place that God wants us in a relationship with him. And last week, we kind of started with this verse. We're just going to use it again this week to just say this. To, to me, this is kind of one of the 726 verses in the Bible that talk that this is Christianity. Okay, this is just, this is just one of them, but this is Christianity. 
He, Jesus, was delivered over to death for our sins and was raised to life for our justification. Jesus did this so we could be right. It's all on what Jesus did. Therefore, since we have been justified through faith in Jesus, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ. Do you feel, do you feel like you have complete peace with God? If we don't have peace with God, there might be some barriers that are keeping us because there is no reason if we, if we put our faith in Jesus that you and I shouldn't have complete peace with God. And I think far too often we live that there, there's a strain there, there's something in the way, and we need to get that out of the way through whom we have gained access by faith into this grace in which we now stand. This idea of living in a way that we are close to God, walking with him, he, we're experiencing him, and we always feel like we have complete access to God. If we're not living like that, honestly, if, 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 if you just think about your own life, if I don't, I don't feel like I, I, all the time, like I can just go to God that I'm his favorite, that there's nothing between us. I have complete peace with you, God, complete. Man, I have a, and I think so oftentimes we don't. We, we don't. And, and, and whatever it is that's keeping us from that, we need to look at those things and, and analyze, why don't I? Because whatever that why I don't is a barrier to what Jesus provided for us. Jesus provided, and there's no reason, no justifiable reason, that we should ever feel like we don't have complete peace with God, that we don't have a total right and access to God freely. If we don't feel that, something's in the way. There is a barrier that we have, and we need to remove those barriers. And I think in, in Colossians, uh, which is a great letter, I'm going to read a couple verses from there. I encourage you, you should probably go home and, and, and read Colossians today just as a reminder of everything that, that Jesus did for us. But it really, I mean, I think we're, we're really being encouraged, all, all Christians to be encouraged to not allow these barriers in our life. He says, you have died with Christ and he has set you free from the spiritual powers of this world. And I'm gonna explain this as we go. So why do you keep on following these rules? of the world, such as don't handle, don't taste, don't touch. Such rules are mere human teachings. This is what I'm going to talk about, that we, I think all of us have bought into some human teachings that aren't of God, that we believe, and they are barriers from us being feeling like where we are, where, where we're absolutely right with God. And we allow these outside teachings in to interest. And why do we allow them? Because sometimes they, they make sense. He says uh, that the, these human teachings about things that deteriorate as we use them. These rules may seem wise. Why? Because they, they, they're religious. Because they require strong devotion. Somehow we think strong devotion makes us more right with God. Pious self-denial. Somehow we think Pious self-denial is just more holy, so we got to do that. And, and he says, uh, and 
uh, severe bodily discipline. Boy, the more disciplined I am. But they provide no help in conquering a person's evil desire. These things look good. They sound good. They're definitely religious. Therefore, we, we are drawn to these things that become barriers to this freedom that Jesus Christ has given us. And it hurts our growth, our, our growth and our development in Jesus. So here's what we're trying to do. Is, is learn how to reject these old barriers to God. Rejecting these barriers, identifying them and rejecting them. Why? So that we can be in the place that Jesus paid for us to be. And that is absolutely free and right in the presence of God with every right to be there to enjoy God's presence all of the time. But there are barriers that we allow that keep us from that. And maybe we're not even aware that they're barriers. For example, if, if you're watching this or listening or, or you're here today, if you do not have a, a church background, my guess is there are some barriers that you have. And these, these barriers are keeping you from becoming a Christian. And some of these barriers are probably religious barriers, even though you don't have a religious background. Like, well, I can't be a Christian because I'm not, I'm not really good enough. You know what? I'm, I can never be one of those kind of people. You know what? I, I don't want to go to ch church. People are weird. I'm not going to church. And these are barriers. And here's the thing. They're not true. But when we believe them, they become a barrier for us to go and, you know, and, and to church or to accepting God. And we, we all have them. But I want to focus more today on those of us who, are, who grew up in the church or in a church or in a religious system. And I, I think a majority of us have some form of religious training and we have developed barriers. I think a big barrier is that God and God's presence is in certain places more than other places. Where maybe we believe that, you know, God is everywhere, but somehow we believe that, well, God is more in certain places than he is other places, like church. I've heard so many people over, over the years want to come and pray in this sanctuary because it's the house of God. And I know where we're coming from. You've ever felt you need God? I mean, I need God. I need a miracle. I need to connect with God. But yet this, this teaching or this idea that God's presence is in one place more than another is, is, a, is a stumbling block. You know, it's a, it's a hindrance from us really experiencing God because but, here's the truth, and we need to know the truth. The truth is that God doesn't live in buildings. This building is no more sacred than the bank, and it doesn't have near the money. This is just a building. Even the idea that God's presence dwells in a house or a building is in, in, in Christianity and God's, it's like, it's ridiculous. God would say, why, why would you think that? The Bible clearly tells us that we are God's house, that God's presence lives in us, not in buildings, not, not in sacred places. 
God doesn't do that. And, and if you and I hold on to that, and maybe we're not even aware of it, but we just have this feeling like God is more here than somewhere else, can you see how that would hinder our growth? What if you needed God and you couldn't get to a building where God lives? How, how detrimental that would be. God's presence is everywhere equally. God's presence goes, and I, I mean, God's presence is, is in a bathroom, a bar, and a church equally. Okay? It, we don't, we, we got to get that out of our head. God's presence is everywhere. If we need to reach out to God, we can reach out to him anywhere. And some of you understand this because I know that uh, I hear uh, oftentimes, you know, people who don't go to church often will say, oh, I meet with God in the woods. Now, I'm a woods guy. I get that. And, and they say, hey, my God time is, is in the woods. I meet with God in the woods. And guess what? That is accurate. There's nothing sacred about this place where God is that he's not in the woods. You can't. And we always encourage people to come to church, but not because God's here and he's not there. The value of coming here is each other, the group. There is power in numbers, and it's great to sing with volume and experience this experience and encourage one another, be a part of a, of a team, and have, we have a purpose of, of getting God's message to all the world. And that, that There is value in coming to church, but that value is not God is here and he's not out there. God is everywhere. And uh, I think there's another thing, and uh, I, I've been around this a lot. I still hang around a lot of circles where there's this feeling, belief, that God's presence is more at an altar than it is at the back of the room. Now, I don't think people mean bad by doing this. I think inadvertently, though, we are hurting ourselves when we go along with certain things because it becomes a barrier to our connection with God. Because if we believe, even for a moment, that God's presence is at an altar versus the back of the room or the hallway, how much we can miss God or not experience him when we need him if there's not an altar around. And, and, and an altar is really just an old, excuse me, an old covenant thing anyway. An altar is where they used to sacrifice animals on an altar to cover the sins for people. And it's like this idea that sacrifices are on altars. Christianity doesn't have altars. It doesn't fit into Christianity. And a lot of us have experienced where there's this holiness. I don't know. It's, it's not, you know, the Ark of the Covenant up here, but there's, there's a, an altar in many churches that we've got to challenge these thinking and we've got to, if we believe that God is on an altar somewhere on this platform, then we're I'm sorry you sat in the back row. I'm sorry you're online because, I mean, and I mean this. If we believe these things, it hinders our relationship with God. We have got to start rejecting these old barriers to God. They are not helpful. They are hurting us. We need to grow up in Christ and, and get away from these things that burden us. And, and just they're just not true. God is not in one place more than he is in another place. I think another barrier, whether we can identify it or not, I think that affects a, a lot of us, is that God is, um, there are certain people that are more connected to God because of their position 
or office that they hold. Like somehow they're more connected to God because they're a pastor or because they're a priest. And, and, and sometimes we, we can think of that, but that, you know, imagine what kind of a barrier that is to experiencing God. That if we think that some people, because of their office, are more connected to God. Now, some people might be more connected to God because of their own personal time with God, but it is not an office that makes people more connected to God or not. And we all are connected to God. I know when I was the lead pastor here, I had just a practice that I never did, and that is I wouldn't pray for people. I mean, I would if I was the only person there, but at church, if it was like after every service, we have people that will pray for you. I never did that because on purpose, I, wa- I, I wanted to break the stereotype that God listens to me more than somebody else. Listen, you don't need a pastor, you need God. And God is very approachable, attachable. Everyone, have the person next to you pray for you is just as powerful as having a priest or a pastor pray for you. We have, we have a, a, a thing we, we have done in our house for the last 10 years or so. Our family is getting kind of big and stuff. So at, at major holidays, Thanksgiving and Christmas especially, and Easter, we, we have a big meal. Everybody comes over. I love those times. I love the family and all that. And we do communion. And we have communion together. Well, this last Christmas, there was a family there that wasn't a part of our family. They were just guests there, and that was cool and stuff. And, and, and we were passing out communion. And, and the lady said in a very, you know, not attacking way or anything, just a very curious way, she said, oh, we can have communion because you're a pastor. And I thought to myself, what a barrier. What a barrier. We don't need a pastor to have communion. I mean, whoever who made that one up? Please, let's, let's put away these, these barriers that we have to God. As a matter of fact, when we have communion as a family, usually it's one of the grandkids that I ask to, you know, I mean, I'll kind of tell the story of what set it up, but hey, they're the ones that say, okay, now we're gonna take this cracker, you know, and this represents God's blood and I mean, God's body that was broken for us. They do that. I don't have to do that. We can all do, com- we are all, I don't want to go into this priest thing, but we're all priests. We're all connected to God. Everyone, if we're Christians. So it's so important that we reject these old barriers because they are keeping us from growing and experiencing everything that God has for us. Each one of us can go to God just like a pastor can go to God. There is no difference in, in any of us. And I really think, if, if especially if you are from a Catholic background, this idea that you need to, you can pray to a saint, you know, to for something like a saint. There are certain saints that have more connection than others. And so if you have this in your life, pray to this saint or this. And I'm sorry, I don't know all of them, but here's the thing. If you're there, that is such a barrier. We can go right be to God. Jesus has given us this access to the Father this having to go through a saint is such a barrier from experiencing the presence and fullness of God in our life that we need to, we need to break these barriers and we need to get, you know, get through them and experience all that God has for us. And there's so many more. I, th- I think of this one, how, how we dress. My, my mom, bless her heart, she's sweet. She just needs to grow a little bit. 
she gets after me. She's not here today, but if she was, she gets after me for, not, for wearing jeans in, in church. Here's her thing. You should wear your best for God. No, you can if you want to. That's great. But can you see how that could be a barrier if we think, well, I have to wear my best for God? Wait a minute. What about the Jesus thing? Well, well wait a minute. Nothing wrong with wearing your best for God, but we have to. Do we have to appease God? No, 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 we don't. Besides, I told my mom many times, and she just don't get it. Mother, my best is camouflage. And nobody will see me. Okay, so I can't do that. Uh, you know what? We don't, we don't dress for God. We dress for each other. Say amen, somebody. You don't want to see me naked. Trust me, I don't want to see you naked. Okay? We dress for each other. We dress for comfortable. We dress. This, this idea we dress for God is just not a Christian concept, and it can be a barrier for our relationship with God. Anything that would keep us to saying, I have to appease, I have to work, I have to fit in in order to connect with God is a barrier. It's not Christian. And honestly, it's a slap in Jesus's face. What I did for you and I gave all is what it takes. Don't tell me it wasn't enough. It's completely thorough. Every one of us can go to God. There are other things that we have in our traditions and, and stuff. I think music style is one of them. Music can be such a barrier to God that, that some of us, if you go to this church, you, you probably have some, but not you have uh, different than others. Here's the thing. There, there are so many of us that are linked to this idea that well, worship, we can only worship God through the right music. You know, you can't, you can't have electric music or you can't have this. And, and you know what? We all have preferences. If that's your preference, that's fine. Be proud of it. There's nothing wrong with a preference. But when we cross that line to say, this is the right way to do it, we now put a barrier between what Jesus has done for us to worship God. As a matter of fact, the Psalms, the book of Psalms in the Bible, tells us to use all instruments, to use everything you have. Use it all to worship God. There is no right or wrong worship style or music style to worship and connect to God. We have got to reject these old barriers so we can experience God wherever we are, whenever we need to, in full connection. There are no hindrances and no things that we have to do. I think there's just um, so many other things that we that we do. Uh, you know, if if you grew up in a Pentecostal experience, believing in the gifts of the Holy Spirit and speaking in tongues, which is something that song, you know, the fire of tongues, tongues of fire. Uh, here, here's the deal: if you grew up in that, which which I did as after I became a Christian, we can start hanging on to the fact that. The Holy Spirit's not moving if we're not jumping and shouting. I was taught that. It was reinforced to me. The Holy Spirit's not there if the pastor isn't interrupted from changing what he's talking about. Well, that's not Spirit-led. I was taught that, but here's the problem. You and I need to identify, is that a barrier to God? 
do you mean the Holy Spirit is only moving if we act this way or if we do this? Can't the Holy Spirit move any way, whenever, however he chooses to? If, the Holy, if you're not jumping and shouting, but, but I'm sitting here on the floor crying, can we say, well, the Holy Spirit's not working in you. If we plan a message to say and we have it memorized and we're going to say it, is that to say, well, the Holy Spirit can't use that? Do you understand these things? And there's all kinds of them. These things that we can put in the way of barriers to experiencing God. I want to experience the Holy Spirit. Listen, wherever we are, whatever we're going through, the difficulties of life, we need God and we need to be filled with his presence. Hey, you're going through your day and you have no joy and you're, you're, you're run out of energy and I just can't do this. We need God to move in our lives and we can go to God and live with him. Why? Because of what Jesus did, we can freely go to God in right standing with him wherever we are, doing whatever we're doing, and we can experience God anytime, anywhere, and identifying these barriers, we need to work on getting rid of them. They are man-made religious barriers. I think there are some that some of us grew up in that a, a huge barrier can be a religious ceremony. Now, for, for most of us, not all of us, for most of us who grew up in church, there are some ceremonies that we learn that kind of, well, I'm not connected to God unless I go through this or do this. Confirmation is a great example. If you went through confirmation, great. But if you believe that without confirmation, you don't get to a place, you don't accomplish a thing, you're not connected to God. And, and I was taught that if you're not confirmed, you're not connected to God. Can you see how that's a barrier? Confirmation is a good thing because it is, it is religious education. We need to learn the gospel. We need to learn, hey, listen, teaching and going through a program is a good thing. But when we cross the line to say it's a mandatory thing to be right with God, can you see how that is such a barrier to us experiencing God? A big one is baptism. Now, I was taught that unless you're baptized, you're not in the family of God. And many of you were. Many of us were baptized as children. I have heard pastors and teachers and churches even in our area say, as long as you have your baptism certificate, you are a child of God and you're going to heaven. Can you see how that might be a barrier to God? I'm sure there's good intentions there, and I can even tell you where it came from, but it is man-made. It, it is, <coughs> excuse me, it is a hindrance to our experiencing God through what Jesus Christ did for us. Am I saying baptism is not a bad thing? Baptism is a great thing. As a matter of fact, Jesus himself said he was baptized to show what is right to do, and he's encouraged all of us. As a matter of fact, he's told us all, Hey, be baptized, but not as a prerequisite to knowing God. Can you see that's such a hindrance? It's no hindrance at all. You don't have to be baptized, but we should be baptized. Why? To believe first and then be baptized as an identification. It's, it's, it's like this. It's like wearing a badge saying, 
I am not ashamed of Jesus. He is my salvation. He's my connected to God. I'm wearing this badge. Baptism, water baptism, is just identifying with what Jesus did. Jesus died, was buried. He died to our sin, took all the penalty, and he rose up to new life, eternal life. And we are saying, I believe what Jesus did, and I'm identifying with him. We go down into the water, completely submerged. Not so long you can't breathe again, but submerged. And then come back up to new life. It's representative. It isn't, there's no super work there. There's no mysterious, you know, holiness things that happens there. Jesus did every requirement that needs to be done. We are, we are in the presence of God boldly with complete peace being with God. Don't let anything get in the way of that. And it goes on and on with, with how we pray, think, you know what? There's just so much I could talk about. Here, here's the point. It's just, this is the idea. If we don't feel the way we're supposed to, there's probably a barrier in the way. Again, we are encouraged in Colossians uh, of how to see this. He says, this includes you who are once far away from God. That's all of us. We once were far away from God. We were his enemies, maybe not directly, but we were against him. We were separated from him by our own evil thoughts and actions and, you know, all those things. Here is the point, though. Yet now, he has reconciled you to himself through the death of Christ in his physical body. He has made us right with God through his sacrifice and what he did. As a result of that, he has brought you and I into his own presence he did that and brought us into his presence, not of no merit, no jumping through hoops, not jumping over barriers, and you are holy and blameless as you stand before him without a single fault. Do you feel like you can stand before God right now without a single fault? Not that you're faultless, but do you feel like you can stand before God right now without a single fault? If you don't, there is a barrier there that you need to work on getting rid of. Getting rid of that barrier. Because what Jesus did for us is absolutely complete and we can stand before God. And let's work on these barriers. Uh, I think this, how do I know if there's a barrier? If you need God, I mean, our regular daily life, we go through pressure. We, we maybe go through fear and anxiety, hurt, or scared. If you don't feel like I can go to God freely and experience his power and his presence and his, his help in my life, then there's a reason why you can't, and that is a barrier because there is no spiritual reason that we can't go right to God without any fault. Jesus took all of our faults. And if we want to eliminate some of our faults, going to God freely like we don't have a fault is the only way that that's going to change, is going to God. If we grew up with some of these barriers, it's not going to be easy to get rid of them. It's not going to be easy to just, I mean, even if you say, I don't believe that anymore, but yet there's still a pull, a pull there. This is something we need to work on. 
every time we feel this barrier, to address it, say that, no, 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 that's not a barrier. There are no barriers between me and you, Father. There are no barriers. What Jesus did, I can freely go to you and experience you and talk to you and wait on you and receive from you. I can walk with you like I am your absolute favorite every day, every circumstance, every place because of what Jesus did. There are no barriers to what Jesus did. Ain't that good news? We might not believe it completely yet. It's a process, but it's good news. That's what Jesus did for us. He did more than what we could actually comprehend. But that's what God, it's the only way to God. And so God wants to love us and connect with us freely, like there's no fault between us connected with him. Let's, uh, let's take a moment here and talk to God about this in our own lives. Father, I want to personalize this. I want to be completely connected to you, but I, I struggle with not feeling worthy. I struggle with knowing I, I didn't follow you. With, I struggle with, well, I, I don't have a right to come to you. I, I don't earn it. I deserve being with you. And Lord, I, I know that's what you're trying to tell us over and over in the, in the New Testament. You tried Jesus. Tried, this is what this is about. Listen, I know you feel that way, but don't, don't feel that way. I took care of everything. You have every right to be sit in my lap and be with me as my favorite because Jesus took all your guilt, all your shame, all your misbelief, all your, your denial, all that stuff so you can be with me. Father, help us to understand that, to live in that, but most of all, help us to be with you all the time. In Jesus' name, amen.